We're in, uh, in Exodus chapter 24 tonight, and we've been, uh, at this point right now in the, in, the, in the book of Exodus, we've seen that the children of Israel, man, they've been led from captivity uh, by Moses, of course by the Lord, but, but with the leadership of Moses, uh, now uh, have crossed the Red Sea, they're, they're, they're in the wilderness now, they're kind of wandering, right, they don't know that their journey's going to end up being longer than, than, than expected, but for now, they know, all they know is that they're on their way to the promised land, they're on their way to the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised uh, their forefathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but first, they're, they're, we're seeing that, that before God could bring them into, into that promised uh, place, into that promised possession, He first wants to work in them as a people group, right, and so we see that God has given them uh, His law, the Ten Commandments, uh, as, as a standard for holiness, and really as a standard of, of what God requires of them and really what God requires of, of all mankind. And so God has given them the Ten Commandments, His standard of holiness. And apart from the Ten Commandments, we read last week in three chapters, uh, chapters uh, 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 22 to 23, we see that the Lord gave them a commandment or, or sub-laws concerning uh, the people, concerning society, concerning the treatment of each other, concerning the treatment of, of one another's properties, their neighbors, uh, their, their, their oxen, their, their, their animals, their livestock, all these other things, right? And he gave them, so he gave them just this, this judicial uh, system there within the people group, right? So he's establishing his laws among them. And now we see that the Lord is going to continue to, now that he's given them his covenant or his promises, He's going to continue to, to just establish it amongst the people. And we, we're going to see that in chapters 24, 25, and 26. God is going to uh, confirm the covenant that he made with his people through Moses. And we're going to see that God is going to give them now instructions uh, towards building a meeting place uh, for them and God. And so chapter 24 starts off by saying, Now God said to Moses, Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar, and Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near the Lord, nor shall the people go up with them. And so, and so we see that, that, that the Lord now is calling the, 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 the children of Israel, right? He's, he's, he's making an invitation to them. And this is one of the most beautiful invitations in the Bible, right? But we see that it's common throughout the whole Bible because it's the invitation that God makes to us. Hey, come, come. But we see that the invitation that God is making to Moses, he, say, he says, hey, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, he says, and worship from afar. And I love this because God is making, he's initiating this invitation to come and worship him. And man, as I was reading this, I was just stuck because it's such a beautiful invitation that the Lord makes, that the Lord makes him, hey, come and worship me, right? Come and know me, come and spend time with me. Come and worship. And really we see that that's the same invitation that the Lord is making to us today and every single day. Right? As we've now come to the Lord, hey, God continues to make that invitation. He makes that invitation for you to come and, and, and know Him as a Savior, know Him you know, uh, on the side of salvation. But He doesn't stop making invitations after that. Right? And the, the invitation for salvation is once. And then once you, I mean, once you receive it, that invitation stops because you've received it. You've already come. But after that, the Lord continues to make invitations to you daily. And I would say many times throughout the day, which is, hey, come and worship. Come and worship. And, and, and I love that the Lord said, hey, come and worship. Because He didn't say, hey, come and, uh, and do this and come and do that. Or come and, you know, make this or make that. Or come and, uh, you know, go do some work. No. But He says, just come. Just come and worship me. Right? And, and so many times we neglect that invitation of the Lord. And, and we see that the Lord is continuing to make that invitation in our lives. Just come and worship me. 
right? And really, as I was reading this, I had to have just a, a long heart check because it caused me to, to kind of to check my motives uh, recently. You know, as the Lord is making this invitation for me to come, you know, and it's like the Lord, I sense the Lord, the, the tugging of the Holy Spirit in my life saying, hey, just, just draw closer, draw closer, right? And, and I mean that as far as intimacy because God is, the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. So God is as close to us today as He will be forever because His Spirit dwells inside of us. But when it comes to intimacy, we can grow in deeper levels of intimacy with the Lord. And, and as you sense that call of intimacy, that, that, that invitation to come, right, into, into just this deeper intimacy with the Lord. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get it, I, I, I distort that and I get it twisted and I, and I sense that, that, that call to come into a deeper uh, uh, intimacy with the Lord and, and I make it into something else. I sense the Lord say, hey, angel, just, just come and worship me. Just come into a deeper level of intimacy with me. And I make it into, all right, Lord, I'll prepare for another Bible study. All right, Lord, I'll pour into this individual. All right, Lord, I'll go evangelize. All right, Lord, I'll do this, this, that, and the other. And the Lord say, no. He says, that's besides the fact. Just come and worship. Right? Just come and worship. Apart from a few songs before church, apart from a, a closing song at, at the end of service, apart from, you know, Sundays and Wednesdays, hey, uh, our, our lifestyle should be a lifestyle of worship unto the Lord. Right, we're going to see that, that later on uh, uh, throughout the book of, of Exodus, God is going to give the people of Israel instructions on, 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 uh, on, off, on offering sacrifices, sacrifices of animals unto the Lord as a form of worship. But we see that later on in the book of Romans, Paul, uh, he calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees, right? The religious guy of all religious guys. Paul later on in the book of Romans chapter 12, he says, hey, he says, now, he says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. He said, hey, you used to worship with animals, with oxen, with, with turtle doves, with, with, with sheep, with all these animals. You used to bring those animals as a form of worship. He says, now offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Meaning offer your body on that altar, right? As a form of worship unto me. And so we see that now God is making that invitation to us to worship Him with our lives. Literally with our bodies, but also with our hearts, our souls, our minds, with our whole beings. Jesus would, would uh, have a conversation with, a, with a, a woman at the well in John chapter 4. And, and, and she would, they would, as they were having this conversation, this conversation, she would say, Well, your people say that, 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 uh, that Jerusalem is the, is the place to worship. But our people say that, that that's right here. And then Jesus said, He said, Surely I tell you, the time will come where neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will people worship God. But he says, The time is coming and now is. And where the worshipers of God will worship God in spirit and in truth. He says, in spirit and in truth. He says, because those are the type of worshipers that God is seeking. Right? Those that worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amazing. And so we see that the invitation to, to Moses was, hey, come up to the Lord. He says, you and Aaron, his brother. He says, Nadab and Abihu, which are Aaron's sons. We're going to learn more about them later on. He says, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Probably a few from every single tribe, which are later going to become uh, the, the elders of the whole nation. Right? And then even later on, they're going to become uh, what's known as a... As a, as a the elders of the Pharisees. And so he says, come up with these guys. He says, and worship from afar. He says, and Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near the Lord. No, ne'er, no shall, not shall the people, sorry, nor shall the people go up with him. All right. And it says, verse three, so Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the, in the morning, and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel, who offered burnt offerings, and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. 
And Moses took half the blood and put it in a basin or little containers. And half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to these words. And we'll stop right there. And so we see that, that now as the Lord makes that invitation to Moses, he says, hey, you, your brother, his kids, he says, and 70 of the elders of Israel, come and worship. And he says, they're going to stay right here. They're going to worship from afar. But, but you, he says, you come up to me. And then we're told that the, that the Lord gave instructions to Moses, right? And, and, and as Moses kind of was just the voice, right? God will speak to Moses and Moses will speak to the people. Their response was, was very... Uh, Casual, they said, "Hey, man, yeah, whatever he says, we'll do it. We'll do it, right?" We see that later on, uh, they felt misery at it, right? And, and, and we see that it was kind of more of a this surface confession. They say, "Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it." All right? And and later on, they're gonna. I mean, even as Moses goes up to, to talk with the Lord, uh, just in a moment, right? Forty days, he's gone. They're here for Moses. He comes back, and what are they doing? They're, they're gonna be worshiping a golden calf. They're gonna stray away from from the Lord. Their hearts are gonna stray away from the Lord, just like that. Here they are, they're, they're, they're bowing to the Lord to say, yeah, whatever God says, amen, we'll do it. We'll be obedient. But we see that it was more of a surface confession. <laughs> right? And, and uh, I, I, was, I was tempted to just come, come down hard on these guys and say, man, they're so disobedient. Man, this is that and the other. They're so hard-headed. Right? But then the Lord reminded me of all the times that I was quick to speak and say, all right, yeah, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Right? Or, 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 or that I would commit to something. All right, Lord, I think you called me to do this. I'll do it. And then halfway, or as the day is approaching, or as the, you know, the, the commitment is approaching, I'm like, man, why did I open my mouth? I should never say anything. And, that I, and I end up flaking out or whatever. I'm like, ah, Lord, forgive me. Right? And the Lord reminded me, hey, man, don't uh, be quick to, 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 to make a commitment or something. Right? The Bible tells us actually in the New Testament, he says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good lesson here. And so these guys say, hey, man, whatever God says, we'll do it. And so Moses... And says that he wrote all the words of the Lord. Now, man, interesting that we have here now uh, this, this man, God, uh, God speaking to Moses and Moses writing down the word of the Lord. And what he's doing really is what he wrote down is what we're, what we're reading right now. And so we have here the, the process of, of, of inspiration right before our eyes. And many people ask, well, how do we get the Bible? Right? The Bible tells us, in the New Testament that, that God spoke, that the Holy Spirit came upon, holy men of God, that He spoke to them. Right? And as He spoke to them, He wrote it down. And here we have the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul tells us, he says that all Scripture is inspired by God. And that word inspired literally means God breathed. It is all Scripture is, is, is inspired by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for, for instruction, for doctrine. It says for instruction so that the man of God can, can be complete. And so we see that, 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 that this is really how we have the, the inspiration of the Bible is that God spoke through His Holy Spirit to anointed men and, and they wrote it down. And this is what we have here now, our Bible, right? And so it says that Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord and he rose early in the morning and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And then we're told that he sent some young men of the children of Israel, he says, who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Now keep in mind that at this point, there are some three million uh, people among, among the, the, the children of Israel. Uh, conservatives, conservatively, conservatively, about three million people. Some believe that it was way more than that. Some believe that it was like two and a half 
million just men, right, who, who are able to go out and fight. That's not counting women and children. And so it, it, you could just imagine, uh, when it just tells us here that they offered oxen to the Lord, but it doesn't tell, it doesn't tell us how many, right? And then it tells us that, that, uh, that, that, that Moses sprinkled uh, some of the blood of, of the oxen on the altar and then, then on the people. I read somewhere, I don't know how true it is, that, that uh, an oxen can hold about five gallons of blood or holds about five gallons of blood. I mean, I don't know how, the tr how true that is, but I mean, if, even if it is five gallons of blood, I mean, man, that's a lot of blood. Now just imagine uh, enough oxen to cover about three million people or let's say two million people. And just imagine how much blood will be involved, right? And we could just really uh, read through this quickly and think nothing of it. But if you picture it, man, it would have been this gruesome, bloody scene as the people are, are offering these, these oxen uh, on the altar to the Lord, right? As a, as, as a peace offering unto the Lord, right? As, as, as a form of worship unto the Lord and, and, and just letting it bleed out, collecting the blood and then Moses sprinkling the blood all over the altar. I mean, really we have this beautiful scene in our heads, but if you really picture it, it would have been this uh, altar of rocks, right? That, that were not carved out, just altar of rocks. And just imagine it just completely drenched in blood, dripping, I mean, pouring out streams of blood coming off of this altar. And then as the people are there, we're told that Moses sprinkled now blood on the people. And the point is that it was something that they were never going to forget as they're covered in this blood, in the, in the, in the, the blood of this animal, in the blood of this, this oxen. It was something that, that was going to be forever ingrained in their hearts and in their minds. That man, we came to worship the Lord there at the mountain and it took bloodshed in order for us to come and worship God. And, and, and really we see that it's going to be a practice that God is going to institute uh, there, there in the nation of Israel for many years to come. Right? Until Jesus, that ultimate, perfect, last and final offering, you know, offered himself and offered his own blood. Right? The New Testament, then the book of Hebrews, tells us that, that because the blood of bulls and lambs and goats and oxen weren't sufficient enough to, to, to cover our sins, right? to remove our sins, it says that Jesus came and he offered once and for all his own blood to cover us. And so they were, they didn't know what, what they were doing. They just knew we're obeying the Lord, but they didn't know that this was establishing something. This was establishing a picture there in the nation of Israel for generations to come until that fulfillment of that picture would come in the New Testament in the form of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Right? And so amazing that, that as they're, as they're, as they're going to have to continue to, cut, to offer these, these sacrifices of animals, right, and, and, and shed the blood of, of an innocent animal in order, in order to, to cover their sin temporarily, to come to the Lord. Again, it's going to be ingrained in their heart that, that blood needed to be shed in order for them to approach God. Right? And that's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's why we can't approach God on our own, on our own merits. Why? Because it takes the, the, the perfect sacrifice, it takes the bloodshed of a perfect offering, in order to be accepted unto God. But amazing that when Jesus shed his blood, the, the Bible calls him the Lamb of God, right? That sacrifice of God. It was his blood, his perfect sacrifice, his perfect blood that, that covers us now, spiritually, right? And, then, and it's by his perfect sacrifice, it's by the, the, the shedding of his perfect blood, then now we can have a free access, uh, unhindered access, that we are now made righteous before God the Father, right? We don't have to continue making these offerings. We don't have to continue, you know, uh, 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 offering animals. Why? Because Jesus offered His blood. He offered His own body. He offered His life. And it was sufficient. It was once and for all. Amazing, again, that this, this picture that God is establishing there amongst the people of Israel. And so He goes on to tell them there in verse 8, it says, And Moses took the blood, He sprinkled it on the people, and He said, This is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you according to these words. Now, 
this covenant was specific to the nation of Israel. It was specific to the Jews. It was specific to the Hebrew people. Us as Christians, us as believers, and even us as, as Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish people, have nothing to do with this with this covenant. And the, the word covenant means promise. You know, it, this was, yeah, this was, it, it, we're included later on, but this was specifically for the nation of Israel. Now God has made a, another covenant with us, with us believers, with Gentiles, with non-Jews, with really the whole world. Now you remember there in the Gospel of Luke and really all the Gospels, Jesus on the night before he was betrayed, on the night before he was crucified, we're told that uh, he was having dinner with his disciples, right? You guys have all seen that famous picture, the Last Supper, as Jesus is having dinner with his disciples. And we're told that he took a cup of wine, he took a bread, he broke the bread, he says, this is my body, this, this is my body which is broken for the new covenant, right? And then he took that cup of wine, he drank of it, he poured it out, and he says, and this is, uh, this is my blood offered for the new covenant. And so God made a covenant with the nation of Israel here in the Old Testament that was specific to them, right? And that covenant was based and dependent on their obedience, on their keeping of the law, and on their uh, coming and sacrificing these animals on the altar. But for us, God has made a new covenant with us. And that, and that covenant is not dependent on our performance, not dependent on, on, on how much we can achieve or not achieve or on our victories or, or, or our failures, but it's dependent completely on Jesus Christ and on His perfect sacrifice right and the bible says all, all we have to do is just come to him and believe it right and trust it by faith and, and and really live by it and so it goes on to say in verse 9 it says then moses went up also aaron nadab and abihu so those are uh, moses' nephews Adab, nadab and abihu aaron's sons he says and 70 of the elders of israel and they saw the god of israel and there was under his feet as it were a paved work of sapphire stone and it was like the very heavens in its clarity but on the, on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. Now, as the Lord makes this invitation for them to come, you know, before they came, uh, Moses had to offer this animal, right? He had, had to offer it. He had to sprinkle him with the blood. He had to cover them with the blood. They had to know that, that blood needed to be shed in order for them to even uh, uh, come to the Lord and, and worship him. And we're told that they saw the God of Israel. Now, it's not that they saw him physically. Because the Bible tells us that, that God himself said that, hey, no one can see you know, God and live. Because he's just so holy, so glorious. We won't see him until, until we're given new bodies in heaven. Right? And so when it says that, that they saw the God, of, the God of Israel, it means that they saw a little bit of his glory. So they, they didn't see God literally. Right? They didn't see him face to face. It says, which the Lord has made with you according to these words. Sorry, it says, and, and as they saw the God of Israel, it says that, that under his feet were... Uh, as it were a paved work of sapphire stone. And so what they're looking at really is a throne of God in heaven. They're getting a glimpse of the throne of God in heaven. And it was like the very heavens and his clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and they drank. It is awesome. You know, that the Lord would invite him to come worship. Right? First they would need to, to sacrifice these animals. But as, as, they, as they came and worshiped God and they came and they, and they, and they, and they saw God, they worship God. What does God do? He says that they, he says they saw him, and they ate and they drank. Man, imagine that, that that they're right there at the mountain, worshiping God, and all of a sudden they're having dinner with God. Man, they're having fellowship with the Lord. That's awesome. You know that that, that these people here in the Old Testament they're having this this intimate fellowship with God. And it's like before God gives them the law and the, the rest of the law and all these statutes and all the order, all these ordinances and all these other uh, rules and stuff. It's like, hey, you know what? He says, let's just worship and fellowship. And I love that about the Lord because God is a God of fellowship, right? And God invites us to come worship and God invites us to come and fellowship. 
right? I believe it's in the, in, the, in the book of Isaiah where the Lord will make that invitation to the children of Israel. And he says, hey, he says, uh, let us reason together. He says, oh, your sins are like scarlet. They're going to be white as snow. But he says, let us reason together. I love that, that, that. That's who God is, right? He's not an unapproachable God. Then in the book of Hebrews, we're told that, 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 because that, that by the sacrifice that Jesus made, that now we, we, have, uh, that we can come uh, to the throne of grace with boldness now. Right? And even in the Old Testament, we have like stories of Abraham where, where Abraham talked to God. He reasoned with God. He had a fellowship with God. Uh, Isaac, Jacob, right? Enoch, who was just walking with the Lord, and one day he was just gone right? because the Lord took him. I heard someone say that, that, he, was, that he would walk with God every single day, and, and one day uh, he was walking with God, and they walked so far that he looked back, and the Lord said, All right, Enoch, it's getting kind of late. Uh, you want to go home, or you want to just come with me? He said, I'll go with you, Lord. And so he went with the Lord. It's a joke, but... I mean, you get the picture, right? That he was just having this fellowship, just walking with the Lord. And so I, I love that, that, that God throughout the whole Bible, right? It's not that there's this judgmental God in the Old Testament and the graceful God in the New Testament. But no, all throughout the whole Bible, hey, God is this, this approachable God. Yeah, a God of holiness. But also not a God who is, who is far away from his people. A God who makes that invitation to come, worship, fellowship. He says, let's eat, man. Uh, within the, the, the culture of the Jews, Sharing a meal with somebody is, is like the most intimate thing that you can do with somebody, right? Sharing a meal, inviting them into your home, right? It's the most intimate thing that you can do with somebody. It's like, hey, right? And so God is having, having dinner with them. And verse 12 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you the tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God and he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has any, any difficulty, let, him go to the, let, let them go to, to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. Now, man, again, just another beautiful invitation that the Lord makes. As he's talking to Moses there in verse 12, he says, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. Hey, just be there. How many times has, has the Lord impressed that on your heart? Hey, just, just spend time with me. Hey, just, just, just come up to me hey, and just be there. Right? He says, just be there, Moses. Don't do anything. Don't do any work. Don't worry about the people down there. He says, you know, Nadab and Abihu and Aaron, they, they'll take care of them. Don't worry about, about if they're hungry or this after that. Hey, Moses, just be there. Right? And really that should be the desire of our heart whenever we, 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 we approach time with the Lord is just to be there, right? Not to get anything out of Him, not to, even, even in prayer, and even it's like, hey, Lord, I just want to spend time with you. Lord, I just want to be there with you, right? I was having a conversation with the brother uh, not too long ago, and he was texting me, you know, and uh, I was amazed at, at this text because he said, hey, bro, he says, he says, I was amazed, man, that I woke up this morning and I said, uh, he says, Lord, good morning, right? And I was just amazed because, Man, again, that intimacy with the Lord, and now you're acknowledging, hey, God is there with me all the time, right? And you're waking up and you're just acknowledging God's presence there with you at home. You're acknowledging God's presence there with you wherever you're at. You want to just be there with the Lord, right? How many times does the Lord make that invitation? Hey, just come and just, just hang out, man. Let's not talk. Let's not, whatever, just, just, let's just hang out, right? And, and really, that, that's, that's an awesome, again, another heart check as, as we even come to church. Right? And I was, I was reading through this, and I'm like, Lord, I want this to be my heart's desire. Because I'll be honest with you guys, it's not always my heart's desire to just be there with the Lord. Sometimes it's, right, Lord, I have to get a Bible study out. 
uh, Lord, show me something, show me some good nuggets so I can give the people, and so they won't leave empty-handed, or so they won't leave, you know, uh, 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 starving or, or wanting more. Like, Lord, and, and I approach God's word, or I approach time with the Lord, and like, Lord, help me to find something, you know, to give. Or, Lord, minister to me. Lord, I want to, you know, instead of, instead of just wanting to just be there with the Lord, right? Sometimes we come to church, and and even coming to church, it's good. Of course, we're studying God's word, right? We're, we're, we're learning about the Lord, but our desire should be to just, to just be there with God. Yeah, with God's people. Yeah, with the study of his word. But ultimately, knowing that, that, that God's presence is here with us as we just open up his word and worship him through the study of his word. And really, that's, that's what God wants out of us. Is, hey, man, he's making that invitation. He says, hey, angel, just, just spend time with me, man. He says, just be there. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about the church. Don't worry about your wife. Don't worry about work, this, that, the other, your finances, the bills, all that. He says, just be with me. Right? I mean, what greater invitation, what, what, what greater time spent than just being there with the Lord? And so Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and they went up to the mountain of God. Right? And so Moses told, told, the, elders, told the elders, all right, you guys hang out here. Me and Joshua are going to go up there. We're going to go spend time with the Lord. And so it goes on to say in verse 16, now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered, covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And so keep in mind that, that Moses, you know, he answered God's invitation to just, hey, come up here and just, and just, be, and just be with me. Right? And it wasn't until six days later, we're told, that God actually said something. And so you could just imagine that Moses was there for six days and Joshua. Moses and Joshua were up in the mountain for six days just being there with God. Man, I, I, I'm going to put a guilt trip on myself right now, not on you guys. I wake up in the morning and I, and I time it just right so that I have uh, about 15, 20 minutes with the Lord. And once that time is up, I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to be late for work. I got to go. Right? And it's like, man, the... the we skip out on time with the Lord, right? And God, God wants to spend time with us. And sometimes I'm like, ah, Lord, I feel dry. Lord, I'm going through this dry season. Lord, I feel like I'm walking through a desert. Lord, right? And, and God's saying, hey, man, well, how much time have you spent with me? I love that Moses was there for six days, not doing anything, just being there with God. I can imagine worshiping. Maybe he's there weeping. Maybe he's there just, just, there just enjoying God's presence. There up on the mountain. Joshua as well. They didn't take any food. They didn't take any, anything to drink. They're just there with God. And, and as they're there for six whole days, it's not until the seventh that God says, all right, Moses. And then he speaks to him. All right. I always ask myself, why six why, and then the seventh? Why not seven and then eight? Or why not eight and then nine? Or why not four and then, and then five? Well, I don't want to get too deep, deep into it and, and start putting my own thoughts into it. But we know that uh, in biblical numerology, the number seven is, is, God's, uh, is representative of God's perfect, complete, finished work. And this is just my personal opinion, but I believe that, that, that as Moses went up there to meet with God, as Moses went up there to be with God, just be with them, to worship God and just be with them, he was there six days because the Lord was ministering to something personal to Moses. And it wasn't until, until whatever God was ministering to Moses was complete, was done, was finished, was, 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 was perfect, that then he spoke with them. Right? And, and that was an encouragement to me as I was reading it. And it should be encouragement to us as, as we're petitioning, Lord, for whatever it is. Lord, my job. Lord, my wife. Lord, my family. Lord, this, this, that, and the other. Lord, my health. Lord, whatever it is. Right? 
It's like we should uh, have that desire in, in our hearts to, to, to seek God for this thing and, and not leave until God has had His perfect work in us. Right, how long have you been praying for this person? How long have you been praying for this situation? How long have you praying for, been praying for this, for this, for this illness? Right? Whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. Right? Our heart's desire should be to seek the Lord, continue seeking Him, and not stop seeking Him until God has had His perfect, complete work in that area. Whether it's a yes or a no, whether it's a healing or uh, uh, a saying, hey, my grace is sufficient for you, you know, and, 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 we, and my strength is perfecting your weakness, whatever it may be. Right? So six days he was there, not a word, until the seventh day, then it says that God called out to Moses. And so it goes on to say, there in chapter 25, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ramskins, dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet, sweet incense. He says, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod, and the breastplate, that's the, 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 the garments that the priest would, would wear. And verse 8 says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, so, just, so you, just so you shall make it. And so and now God is, is, is as he's spending time with, the, with Moses, as he's ministering to Moses there up in the mountain, we're told that, that God gave Moses instructions for uh, offerings, giving uh, offerings to God there in the sanctuary or there in the tabernacle which, which Moses is going to build. And so you could think of it, it was a meeting place for the people of God you know, to go meet, and meet God. The priests will go in there later on as they establish a priesthood. The priests will go in there and they would minister on behalf of the people to God. And they would minister to God on behalf of the people. But they had to go in a certain way, in God's way. And so God is saying, He says, Alright, tell the children of Israel uh, that they should bring me an offering. He says, From everyone who gives it willingly, with his heart, you shall take my offering. And so God says, Look, I'm going I'm to instruct you to build me a, a tabernacle, a meeting place. That we could even call it a church, right? A meeting place. But he says, but, but I'm going to require it from the people. He says, I want the people to build it. If God wanted to, look, he already brought streams for them in the desert. Right? They were thirsty. They were in the desert. There was no water. What do you do? He told Moses, hey, Moses, strike the rock and water is going to come out. They were hungry. Uh, they had no food. And what did, God, what did God do? He says, all right, tell them to come, come out in the morning and to go pick, up the man, pick the manna every single morning. And I'm going to feed them through that manna. If God wanted to, he could have just, boom, just created a perfect tabernacle, a perfect meeting place. For, 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 for them and Moses, right, and, and, and for God. But he didn't. He said, all right, I want the people to make it. I want you guys to make it. I want you to, 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 to have your hands in it, right? And so God was going to make it through the people's free will offering. And so as the people came in, they offered all these things, uh, silver, gold, bronze, uh, different uh, types of thread and different colors, different linens, right, different types of, of material, goat, uh, goat skin, uh, ram, ram skin, badger skins, all these different things, acacia wood, oil, uh, anointing oil, stones. So as the people came and, and they offered what they had, it's like what they were offering was building God's house, right? But, but I love what the Lord says about this. He says, he told Moses, all right, he says, tell the people that they, that they should bring me an offering, but he said, don't just take any offering. He says, take it from those who give it willingly from their heart. 
Yeah. Have them bring an offering, but don't take all of it. Just make sure that they're giving it willingly from their heart, right? Not grudgingly, not because they're commanded to, not because they're expected to, not because they're pressured into it, but as they're giving it from their heart, he says, take that one. And so I love that, 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 that this is a principle for, for the offering that God receives is the offering from the heart. The New Testament, we'll see that later on, God would, would, uh, would, would require you know, a tenth of every, we call it a tithe, right? Of every possession, of every first fruit, of every harvest, right? And so the, and so the, 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 the Jews, they would have to come in uh, and give a tithe, a tenth, a 10% of whatever their possession was as an offering to the Lord. Now translating into the New Testament, interesting that for the church, uh, God doesn't require a tithe, a 10%. Right, and man, I mean, a lot of people won't even preach this from the pulpit because churches are so dependent on people's giving. Hey, you gotta give your tithe, you gotta give your 10%, you gotta make sure you give. And really, there is no specific law, there is no, no, no tithing law for the church. But, but in, in the New Testament, God gives another standard for giving because God still receives a, a, an offering from us. Right, not that God needs it, He doesn't need my money, He doesn't need my time, He doesn't need really anything that, that I can offer. God is God Almighty. He has everything, right? What do you give God of the God of the universe who created everything, right? It's like when you buy your kids some uh, some arts and crafts stuff and they go and they make you something. Oh, here, Dad, I made you this. Hey, Mom, I made you this. And you realize that you bought all the supplies, but yet they're giving it to you, right? So like, what you really know that that you, uh, as far as like monetary gain, you're not really gaining anything because you bought all the supplies. So like, what do you give God who is the creator of everything, right? So interesting that in the New Testament. And there is no, no, no tithe law or, or no tithe re regulation, no 10% for the church, right? The church isn't required to bring a tenth of every single uh, a possession or everything, right? It's a good standard, right? I, I mean, we see that, that, that God receives our, our, our offerings, but for us, there's a, there's a different standard. And Paul said this, and there in 1 Corinthians, he said, I let him who gives, you know, give cheerfully what he already uh, you know, predetermined in his heart from beforehand. He says, and let him bring it, let him bring his offering cheerfully, you know, uh, willingly, out of a cheerful heart. He says, because God loves a cheerful giver. And so that's the sacrifice, that's the offering that, that God receives is a cheerful offering. You know, uh, an offering, a sacrifice from a cheerful giver, right? So when the church, you know, uh, you give as much as you want, you give nothing if you want, right? 10% is, is a good is a good is a good uh, place to start if you want to read if God puts it in your heart to, to give to the church to give to the work of the, of the ministry we know that of course churches you know they take maintenance right and all these things right they, the work of God I mean unfortunately money makes the world go around and you can't really do much unless you have uh, you have monies in the bank right but yeah the, we see that again that for the church there is no no 10% law there's no 10% rule but but the, 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 the standard is hey whatever you know, God put it in your heart beforehand, before you got to the place to give it, and it says, and as long as it comes from a cheerful heart, right? Not grudgingly. I'll be honest with you guys, you know, I give my 10%, because 10% is, I feel like, a good starting point, right? I mean, man, the Lord gives me this X amount a week, and, and, and I say, you know what, Lord, uh, because you give me everything, I know you don't need this, Lord, I'm going to give you 10% is really nothing of what you've given me, right? Lord, 100% belongs to you, but you let me keep 90%, and I'm going to give you back 10 Really, God doesn't need it, right? But but he, but he knows that I could give 10% cheerfully and not grudgingly, right? It was 11, maybe, I don't know. I don't know my heart, right? Something I do. But but it's like, all right, the Lord will receive 10% from me because he knows that I could, man, really, all right, Lord, you can go take this, Lord, 10%, Lord, it's all yours. Lord, take it, right? And so it's a good place to start. Some people do more, whatever, whatever, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, 
right? But we see that, that for, the, for the children of Israel, again, even though they were required to bring these things, God said, don't take all the, all the offerings. And so I could just imagine out of three million people, there had to be some people who said, oh man, come on, I just, I just got this. Keep in mind that they were slaves for a long time. They didn't have any possessions. And so you might be asking, man, well, where are they getting all this stuff? If they were slaves, they, they, were, you know, they weren't getting a, a wage. They were working for, for peanuts, right? They, they didn't have any possessions. They weren't bawling over there in Egypt. Where did they get all these possessions? You remember when, when, when the children of Israel left Egypt, God, God told them, he instructed them, right, when you guys leave, ask of your Egyptian neighbors, hey, uh, I need back pay for all those years that I worked for free. And so interesting that the Lord gave them back pay from the Egyptian neighbors. And so as they're leaving, the Egyptians were giving them all their stuff. They're saying, hey, just get out of here. here. Take my gold here. Take my oxen. Take my donkeys. Take my goats. Take my possessions. And just get out of here, man. Just get out of here with your God and with your plagues and with all these things. And so they had all these possessions. And you could just imagine the hearts of the people. Maybe they got attached to these things. Out of three million people, you could just imagine. I mean, I could imagine there were some covetous people within there that said, man, all my life I haven't had anything. All of a sudden I have all these things, I have all these goats, I have all these rams, I have all this gold or pearls or whatever it may be, all this awesome, all these awesome clothes. And now God is saying, hey, give it back. All right, now here I go, or here you can have it. And God said, no, I don't want that. He says, you keep it. I'm not, I'm not gonna accept that, right? And so I can imagine that, that there were some people within a group of three million that, that came to the Lord like that. Man, Lord, come on, I just got this. You know I haven't had anything. You know I've been wearing the same sandals for years. I just got this. All right, Lord. So God said, no. He says, I'm not going to take it if it's not willingly and if it's not from your heart. And really, that's any service that you offer to the Lord. Apart from monetary, apart from financial, right? Anything that you give to the Lord. Your time, your service, right? We have outreaches. We have events. We have, you know, even church, right? And, and, and man, so many times, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that this is burdensome, but, I mean, you come and you're like, oh, man, I got to be there early to do this or... Or, or I gotta, man, I gotta stay up late to prepare for a study, I gotta do that. And if that's your heart right now, I, I would encourage you to really just do a heart check because everything that, you, that you're doing with that attitude or with that, with that, uh, with that heart motive, uh, God doesn't receive. And so you're wasting your energy. But if you look at it the other way, you say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna bless you with this, right? You're giving me so much, I'm gonna bless you with my time. I'm gonna bless you with whatever you fill in the blank. You could do it willingly and, and, and not grudgingly and from your heart. Amen. God is well pleased with that. Amazing. Right? So it goes on to say there in verse 3. And this is the offering which you shall take from him. Oh, sorry. We went through that. Gold, silver, bronze, purple, scarlet. All these different types of thread. All these different types of stones. Right? He says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you. That is a pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furnishings so that, so that you shall make me. So God is going to tell him, right, you guys are going to make me a sanctuary, a meeting place, a church, but it's going to be uh, according to the pattern which I tell you. Right? And so God is saying, all right, you guys are going to come meet with me, but not on your, not, not, not on, not on, not on your standards, right? But on my standards. And so we see that God is saying, all right, you're going to meet with me, but not your way, my way. Right? And so we see that God is establishing this, this standard for, for, for meeting him. And really, God always does. Right? Even to this day, God has a standard for approaching Him, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He didn't say, I am one of many ways, I am one of many truths, and I am one of many lives. And He goes on to say, he says that nobody goes, gets to the Father except through me. Right? It's not that God is like a, 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 a rim, a, a spokes, right? And God is at the center. There's many different ways to get to God. No. <laughs> the way to God is very rigid, right? It's, it's, it's very uh, just, man, there it is. 
and, and it's a good it, it's a good thing right sometimes it's a good thing in this case it's a good thing right? because there's no confusion God says hey man there's one way for approaching me and that's through my son Jesus Christ why because apart from the, the atoning cleansing blood of Jesus Christ we can't approach God because we're sinful human beings so God says, "All right, there's a, there, you're gonna meet with me, but but on on, on my standards, right? Not, not on your own, not, not on yours. It's not my ways, not on yours. You know." And He says, "Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them." Now, interesting that as God is bringing them there, there to the wilderness, He's gonna bring them into the promised land. Yeah, God wants to bless them with that with the land that He that He promised to them, uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, God wants to bless them with all His land. Yeah, God wants to 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 bless their 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 lineage and, and, and make them fruitful, have many kids, right, and have them grow into a nation a nation so that the whole world could be blessed. But more than that, if you remember when when God first uh, commissioned Moses, what did He tell him? He says He says you're gonna go tell Pharaoh to let my people go that they may come and worship me on this mountain. And so apart from God blessing them with the land, apart from God blessing them with possessions, apart from God blessing them with many kids, right, and, 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 and kids as, as numerous as the sands of the sea, God brought them out of Egypt, apart from even just setting them free from bondage. God, God brought them up out of Egypt. Why? So they could worship Him. So He could spend time with them. He says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And so you can imagine the whole time that they were in Egypt, they weren't worshiping God. They didn't have a place to meet God. They couldn't offer sacrifices unto the Lord, right? Because they didn't have all these things to approach God. And so for so long, they went from, they, 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 they couldn't approach God. They couldn't worship God. They couldn't, you know, uh, sense God's presence within them, right? As, as they go through all, the, through all the motions. So God is saying, all right, I'm bringing you out first and foremost so that I can dwell with you guys. I just want to be with you guys. I just want, to, I just want my presence to be there with you guys. And verse 10 says, And they shall make an ark of acacia wood, Two and a half cubits shall be its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its its height. That's somewhere, somewhere around seven, seven by five feet. Um, verse 11, and you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out, you shall overlay it and shall make it a, a molding of gold. He says, all around, and you shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in its four corners. Two rings shall be on one side and two rings shall be on the other side. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Uh, and overlay them with gold. And verse 14 says, You shall put the poles into the rings of the sides of the ark, that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark, and they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put it into the ark of the testimony which I will give you. And so now, uh, as God has given them instructions to, to making this, this, this ark, later on we're going to know it as, as the Ark of the Covenant, right? It's going to be this, uh, this, mobile, uh, this mobile church, this mobile tabernacle where they will meet with God. And so keep in mind that as they were there in the wilderness, remember that they're following the presence of God. Wherever the cloud went, amen, they went. Wherever the pillar of fire went, they went. When God moved, they moved. When God stayed, they stayed. And so instead of uh, tearing down and building up this, this sanctuary for God, what they did is that they put it on, on, on a stand and they put four rings on each corner. So it was a square, so they put four rings, I mean two rings, uh, four rings, uh, one in each corner. They put poles through it. And whenever they moved, they would get some, some priests some, uh, uh, to come and they would carry it on the poles and they would move this tabernacle. They would move this sanctuary around. Right? Because they weren't to touch it, but they were to, to, to move it with the poles. Interesting that there's a story there in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6 that there, as, as, as Israel was doing war with all these other ne uh, neighboring uh, nations, uh, it, it came a time where, 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 where a nation came and they, they pretty much beat up Israel and they took the Ark of the Covenant from Israel. The people of Israel mourned and they wept 
right? They wept because because this the, this Ark of the Covenant wasn't within them. And so King David took it upon himself to go over there and to bring it back. And so we're told there in 2 Samuel 6, I'm going to read it for you. What happened actually as they're bringing back this, this Ark of the Covenant on the poles and the guys are carrying it on the poles. It says this in 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says, Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from uh, Baal Judah to bring up the ark, to bring up there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out, out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the, on the hill, and Yuza and, and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart and they brought it up out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And, and Ahio went before the ark. And verse 5 says, Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of, of, of firewood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on instruments, on cymbals. And so as they're bringing up the, this ark of, of God, I mean, they're, they're rejoicing, they're happy. Why? Because they would uh, equate the ark of God to the presence of God. And so when the ark of God was not in the, there, there in the nation of Israel, they would equate it to man. The presence of God has, has gone from us. Right? The presence of God is not in our camp, which was completely false because you know that, that, that God is omnipresent. But to them, they were looking at it as this religious type of thing, like, unless the ark is here, then God is not with us, right? And so as they're bringing the ark back, they're rejoicing, they're dancing, they're, 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 they're playing music, right? They're worshiping God as they're bringing the ark back into, into Judah. And so it goes on to say there in verse 6, And when they came to uh, Nacon's threshing floor, Yuza put out his hand to the, to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Yuza, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Yuza. And he called the name of that place Perez Yuza to this day. And verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him in the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed uh, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And verse 12 says, Now was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and, and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing, was wearing a linen ephod, which is the, what the priests wear. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting of the sound of the trumpet. And so what's going on is that, as, again, as they're bringing back the ark, right, they're rejoicing, they're, they're happy, they're, they're worshiping God. As, as, as the oxen are, 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 are pulling this cart with the, with the ark of the covenant sitting on top of it, the guys are in the front dancing, there's some guys around to make sure, making sure it doesn't fall. And so as the oxen are pulling it, they, they jerk it, right, and it was going to fall. And this guy, Yuza, he, he puts his hands out and he touches it to keep it from falling. And as soon as he touches it, he drops dead. And David's like, man, God, what's up with that? He said, if this guy died, he says, man, what's going to happen to me? Right? I've killed men. I'm a man of war. I've got blood on my hands. Right? I'm a sinful guy. He said, if this guy died just by touching to keep him from falling, what's going to happen to me? And really we see that, that what God was, was trying to, to teach David is that there is a way to approach God. Right? By God's standards. By those same standards that he gave the children of Israel here in the book of Exodus. 
right? He wasn't to, to approach the, the, the holiness of God, the purity of God on his own standards, on his own merits, on his own behalf. So later on, as David saw, oh man, look, the Ark of the Covenant is, is, is there at, at, at Obed's house. That dude's being blessed right out of his pants. And, and he's like, man, all right, I want it back. And so, and so David now, he brings it back, but he does things differently. We're told that after every six paces, this is they stopped and they sacrificed a, 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 an animal and they worshiped God. And they would keep going. And every six paces, they would stop, they would sacrifice an animal and they would worship God. Right, until finally they brought it up into, into Judah. And so God was teaching David, hey man, there's a way of approaching me, right? This is holy. God is a holy God, and there's a way, a way of approaching a holy God being a sinful, sinful, sinful man. And so it goes on to say in verse 17, he says, And you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammer to work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at the end, and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherub at the two ends of it, one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings uh, co uh, above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be towards the mercy seat. He says, and you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubims which are on the ark of the testimony. About everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. And so what's going on is that as God has given him the design for, for the ark. Right? The ark was really just this, this uh, again, the sanctuary was with, with me, God. And the ark was within the sanctuary. And the, and the, and the ark was just, later on we would see that, that there were certain things in the ark. It was like this box. Right, that God designed and that, and, that, and that they made, but God designed it. And inside the box would be the Ten Commandments, would be uh, the laws, the separate laws for the people apart from the Ten Commandments. It would be uh, Aaron's, Aaron's rod that budded early, uh, later on when, when, when the guys have a little face off and they're like, well, who's the priest of God? And then we're, gonna told, we're, we're, we're told that, 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 uh, that all the priests came and they, they dropped their rods. And, and, and when they came back the next morning, Aaron's, Aaron's rod had budded into little plants. And so God was telling everyone, hey man, Aaron's my guy. Right? So, so the, the, the rod of Aaron would be in there. And, and all these different things, a little people, some manna would be in there. So all these things would be there in this, in this box called the tabernacle. And so as God is giving Moses the design for it, he says, all right, as you make it, he says, cover it, plate it with gold. He says, on top of it, you're going to make two cherubims, which are a type of angel. Right? The Bible uh, tells us about cherubims, about seraphims, right? and, and about uh, uh, archangels. And so a cherubim is a, is a type of angel. And so God is saying, all right, you're going to make it with two cherubims with their, with their wings kind of stretched out like this, facing each other. So there's two, there's two cherubims like this with their, with their wings stretched out, facing each other and facing down at the, at the tabernacle, right, at the, at, the, at, the, at the ark. And so as he makes it, you know, interesting that he calls it the mercy seat. He says, and, and under the mercy seat, inside of it will be the law. I love this about the Lord, that... Above the law, he puts mercy. Why? Because we can't keep God's law apart from his mercy. Right? It takes the mercy of the Lord, right? Just Jesus Christ coming to us in order for us to even be accepted by God on behalf of the law. Right? There's no way we can keep the law. There's no way we can even try. We're, we're born sinners. And, and, and God, if God were, were to judge us based on, on his law, man, we, we wouldn't stand a chance. But, but God is setting this, even from the very beginning, that God is setting the standard for, for, for him looking at his people, and that is first, not just through love, but first through mercy. Right? I love that. I love that. And verse 23 says, 
You shall also make a table of acacia wood, two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around it. You shall make for, for it a frame of a handbreadth all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. And you, and you shall make it four rings of gold and put the rings on, on the four corners uh, that are at its four legs. The ring shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles uh, to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and the table uh, that you carry with them. And you shall make it its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and its bowls of pouring. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. In verse 31, you shall make also make a lampstand of pure gold. And the lampstand shall be of hammered work, its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornament knobs, and the flowers shall be of one piece. Six branches shall come out from its sides, three branches of its lampstand out of one side, and three branches of lampstand from the other side. He says, three bowls shall be made with it like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornament knob and a flower and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornament knob and a flower. And so for the six branches that, that come out of the lampstand, on the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like the almond blossoms, each with its ornament knob on a flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third other branches of the same, according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece, and all of it shall be of, hammered piece, uh, of a hammered piece of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so that they uh, give light in the front of it, and its wick trimmers, and their, and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold, and all these utensils. And verse 40, And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. We'll stop right there for tonight, but really it's just a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the details, a lot of the, the technicalities, but they're not for no reason. Right? I mean, I hate to just read through it like that, right? But I wish we had a, a lot a lot of time to just really study it in depth. But we see that everything that God is giving them is for a reason. It's for a purpose. And we see that everything that, that is involved here in the tabernacle and and the and the Ark of the Covenant, right, in the sanctuary of God, we see that that it has a fulfillment or foreshadowing or it's a, a, a picture of a fulfillment of Christ and we see that that, 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 that all these things that they're required to do it was it, it speaks of the person and the work of Jesus Christ all right an interesting study of you if you're if you're up for the challenge is to as we're reading through all these laws even uh, and the laws in the book of Leviticus is to read them alongside of uh, alongside of the book of Hebrews because the, the book of Hebrews, God is is writing through the author and speaking to, to, to Jews, to Hebrews, right? And, and the book of Hebrews, he relates every single one of these uh, laws and ordinances and and, uh, and requirements, right? And, and, and things and all these little details. And, and he wraps it all up and he brings it all around, right? And he, and he, and he points to the, fulfill, for the fulfillment of Christ through it. Right? And so interesting that every single thing that, that God is saying, is look, that last verse says, make sure you make it according to the pattern that I show you. Why? Because God has fulfillment in Jesus later on in the, in the New Testament, right? It was to speak of Christ. It wasn't just because. It wasn't just because God's favorite wood was acacia wood. It wasn't just because God loved uh, almond blossoms. It wasn't just because God loved gold-plated things. No, because it spoke of the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? So they were to be uh, very detailed, very very detail-oriented. They were to be obedient in their, in their, in their building on these things. We'll finish the rest of the... The coming chapters next week and uh now we'll, we'll pick it up next week amen <laughs> father god thank you so much Lord, for your word lord and just lord all the details that we we love lord. i love lord, that you're just 
glorified in the details, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that, uh, Lord, you would help us to, to, to look at your word, Lord, and the study of your word uh, in great detail as we know, Lord, that, that, it's, that they point to you, Lord, and to, and to your fulfillment, Lord. And I pray, Father God, Lord, that you would just Lord, put in us that, that desire to just know you, Lord, to just spend time with you. Lord, and how you call to Moses to just come and to be with you. Lord, I pray that that would be the desire of our hearts tonight, Lord. And really, as we go on through, through our walks with you, Lord. Apart from the busyness of life, apart from the works, apart from the callings, apart from the anointings, apart from the spiritual gifts, I pray, Father God, that you would put in us a desire in our hearts to just want to be with you, Lord. Apart from all the hype, Lord, apart from anything else. That we would want to just be with you, Lord. You would make that desire, the desire of our hearts, Father God. They would have a desire to just come to you, Lord. Apart from anything else, Lord. Lord I pray you would just bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. Give us uh, just that, that, that refreshing in our spirit, Lord, in our souls, Lord, as we just worship you, Lord, with this last song. Amen. <laughs>